Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yesterday, Lysik was telling us about a friend he had. We were talking about flying because Ryan's been filling in and he's a jet pilot for a corporate jet. And, you know, I built the, the ridiculous uh, the powered parachute and we've all done stuff like, you know, acrobatics and gone up with different people because of this job. We've been afforded some time in airplanes that you normally wouldn't get to be a part of. And that brought up the story about Lieutenant Keith Gallagher. He, uh, in 91, was flying an A-6. Or he was in the back of an A-6. He was the, the navigator bombardier over the Indian Ocean, and the ejector seat malfunctioned and blew him halfway through the canopy at 8,000 feet at speed. Uh, and the rest of the story, it, is, it really is unbelievable. When you, when you understand what it took to survive that and the circumstances that had to go exactly as they did, otherwise, there's just no way you'd still be here to tell the story. Our next guest is a retired United States Navy bombardier and navigator who made headlines in 1991 after he amazingly survived being partially ejected from an A6 intruder at 8,000 feet over the Indian Ocean. Please welcome, Lieutenant Keith Gallagher. Hey Keith, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi Johnny, I'm great, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. So you actually lived in Kansas City for quite a while. Yeah, we lived there from uh, 95 through 2002 uh, uh, out in Overland Park. Wow. So, so uh, you're friends with Mr. Lysick and Ms. Laura? Yep. And, absolutely. Uh, he, started, he started to tell us this story yesterday, and I was like, what are you talking about? This is the craziest goddamn thing. And I immediately Googled it. I didn't realize, and I don't know if you've done this, but have you Googled your name and seen everything that shows up online? Uh, I I. I have seen my cousin's website that has the story that we put up there, but I, I have not really looked to see what else is out there. No, no, there's a lot of discussion about this because it's, is there? it really is. And it's an incredible story. I mean, 1991, you're on, uh, what was the aircraft? The, the, uh, the Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Yep. And you're in an a six and what, what do a six, uh, what was the, what was their part of in the Navy? What was their job? So A6 was a was a bomber uh, plane. We were two seat bomber. We actually sat side by side, not front to back. Ah. So I sat next to the pilot, but we also had a version of the A6 that was a tanker that would take off from the carrier and give gas to other planes in flight. And that's what we were flying that day was the tanker version. So is that an even bigger version of the A6? I assume. No, it's actually the same plane. They just took out all the avionics and put in the the hose that you know, sticks out so other planes can get gas. And so you guys are up there and um, you were just doing maneuvers 
like like they'll do and they'll look hey you got to do this as many times as we can get done so you'll have the muscle memory so you know and try to get everything out of the way that, that could possibly happen well we actually so we were overhead tanker that day and when you're when you're tanker it's the beginning of the flight's really busy and the end of the flight's really busy but in the middle you're just doing circles overhead the ship at 8,000 feet and it's actually quite boring um and uh that's when one of the drop t- one of the, the gas in one of the drop tanks wasn't transferring into the plane. Um, and if it's not in the plane, you can't use it, obviously. Right. And the, the way you fix it is the pilot speeds up a little bit, and then he just moves the stick forward and back, kind of porpoising the plane a little bit. And it just unsticks the valve. Got it's it. really no big deal. happens like 10% of the time. How long is the, and- is the hose between two planes? Gosh, uh, I don't know, 40 feet? I, I honestly don't know. It's, That's tight. You're, you're pretty close. That yeah. is tight, You're tight. pretty close. Yeah. So so are you connected to the plane when you're when you're uh, porpoising, when you're trying to get that valve open, or are you doing it in between? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. We, uh, no, the hose is in. We're just circling around. There's no other planes around us. We've, okay. we've given planes to cast at the beginning of the, of the cycle, and we'll give them give them more at the end but in the middle the hose is in and you're just circling and so we just porpoise the plane a little bit to unstick the valve and what happens at eight you're at eight thousand feet you're, you're making the lazy circles and the world just explodes yeah so there's a there's a loud bang like a shotgun going off and then there's a pop as the plane depressurizes and then i have 275 miles an hour of wind in my face and i Thought that the windscreen had imploded, you know, and I was just getting the wind in, in my face, but I couldn't duck beneath the dashboard to get out of the way of the wind. And I'm still sitting in my ejection seat, and I look down and to the left, and where I should see my pilot's right thigh, because we sit side by side, I'm looking through the top of the canopy and at the top of his head. I am sitting from my waist on up outside the plane. And, and go ahead. I was just thinking, if you gotta, you're, you're like, I, I can't imagine what's happened now. Like, because I, I, you haven't ejected, because you, you're not ejected, right? I mean, inside your head, right. you're, you're trying to go, what, what could possibly be happening at this moment? Well, and then to make matters worse, my helmet and oxygen mask then rip off. So now I truly have all the wind in my face. So I don't have any protection uh, for, from the wind from my face. So. Like you said, I don't know what's going on, but I think I'd be okay if I ejected. Like, I, you know, I could stand up in front of a review board and say, yeah, this seemed like a good situation to eject. So I grabbed the handle between my legs and I pulled, but it wouldn't budge. Wouldn't budge at all. And I tried to grab the handles uh, behind my head, but the wind was keeping my arms from reaching them. So I just kind of pulled them in across my chest. And that's when I realized I couldn't breathe. So when air goes by a small opening, like your mouth, it actually creates a vacuum. And the air was being sucked out of my lungs. Good night. And, and your, does your pilot at this point, he, he's, he's, he's trying to maneuver. He obviously, he had to go into, uh, into, he knows he has to drop down below and get, and get you know, to where there's a decent air and slow down. Yes. And so he immediately starts slowing down. He calls the ship because... You can't land on an aircraft carrier at any time. Everybody has to get everything ready. And we're literally in the middle between two launch and recover cycles. 
So nobody's in position. There's planes in the landing area. So he's got to call the ship to say, I need to land now. And the ship has to turn into the wind. They've got to move planes. They've got to get the wire set. Everybody's got to get into position. So luckily, that's something that they drill um, because everybody was able to get into their position in time for him to come land. But he, so yeah, he, he couldn't talk to you and you couldn't talk to him. So you didn't know he was even going to try to land like you can assume, but he doesn't know if you, he doesn't know if you're dead. Correct. And actually I, I wound up passing out because, uh, you know, as, as I was suffocating, um, I could feel myself starting to pass out. And the last thing I remember is saying, I don't want to die. And then I blacked out. And so at that point, my arms released. And so now I'm just flailing in the wind. Um, And he sees that. And he sees that I stopped kicking because I was kicking my feet when I was suffocating. And I stopped kicking. So now he thinks I'm dead. And he's got a he's still concentrating on landing the plane aboard the aircraft carrier with his dead buddy sitting next to him or above him. And, and and you were just – and he, he couldn't tell, though, because at one point I remember reading the story yesterday, and I thought, he doesn't know if there's half a body up there. He can see his legs, and uh, but he could see you, correct? He, he could see me. When, okay. he, when, he called, when he called the ship, he said, um, my BN is partially ejected. BN is vomitor navigator. That's me. He said, my BN is partially ejected. Well, Johnny, a partial ejection is like being sort of pregnant. It doesn't right. happen. You either right. eject or you don't, right? Right. And so there was mass confusion on the ship and the ship, but they're still doing their job, right? They're, they're, they're not asking questions. They're doing their job. And they called back and said, understand your BN is still with you. Is that correct? And he said, that's affirmative. He's hanging out in the airstream, just his feet are still in the cockpit. And I've talked to people who thought that meant my legs were cut off and there were literally a pair of feet sitting in the cockpit and the rest of my body was, was outside the plane. So, that was the that was the confusion around that. God, well, just everything. And so when you guys are side by side, and I didn't realize this in the A six because all the other military stuff I've seen was always front to back, and mm-hmm. the seats eject separately though. They do. They they do. Um, yes, they each person has to do their own. So if he ejects. Um, I have to do it myself. Right. And so um, you're, and, but you're, but it didn't eject. You're still attached. How are you attached? Just afterwards, just because I'm, I'm trying to put this together in my head. I'm thinking, my God, is the parachute attached to you or the seat? The parachute is attached to me. And when we're normally flying around, I'm attached to the seat. And then when an ejection, you know, when a real ejection occurs, obviously the parachute deploys and then I get disconnected from the seat well, everything except for the rocket motors on the ejection happened. So my parachute deployed. I got disconnected from my seat. So I was literally at that point sitting, just sitting in my seat, not connected oh. to anything oh, except for the parachute. At 200 and um, how fast were you going? We were doing about 275 miles an hour when, we, when, when it first started. He slowed down to probably 150 um oh. is probably where he slowed down to and the and the, and the you know, it's trying to do everything to suck you out to blow you back and here's the other part and i know you've thought of this your chute deploys it wraps around the vertical stabilizer had it not it would have absolutely drug you out of that plane 
Absolutely. And, and even more than that, when, when you see the video of the landing, the parachute risers act as a shoulder harness. Like my, you know, an aircraft carrier landing is like a controlled crash. You go from 150 to zero in a matter of feet. And if you're not strapped in, you fly forward. Well, there's jagged plexiglass in front of me. So by all rights, I should have flown into this jagged plexiglass and been cut in half. But my parachute riser kept me, kept my shoulders back as if I had strapped into a seatbelt. Here's the amazing part. It's, it's, it's tight enough to keep me in my seat, but it's also wrapped around his vertical and horizontal stabilizer, and it never interfered with his flight controls. Everything that happens, you just go, well, what about this? You're like, well, this happened. Because if it had happened any other way, there's just no way to make it back either of you, really. You think, had it gotten into those controls, you, it's, a, it's an aircraft carrier, for God's sake. It's moving on these axes, you know, front right. to back, left to right. And, you know, for him to be able to grab the wire, to have the presence of mind with his friend is hanging out next to him, to be working against that, all of those things. I mean, it really is an unbelievable story. Like, anything mm-hmm. anything changes and, and we don't make it back. We don't talk today. Look. Let me give you one more. Uh, the way that an ejection seat works, as it's going out, it has pins in the seat that are attached by wires to the deck of the plane. And so as it's going out, the pins get pulled, and the last pin to get pulled fires the rocket, the rocket that would take the seat up, if you've ever seen an ejection, right? They, mm-hmm. they go way up. That wire is 36 inches long. I went up 35 and a half inches. <laughs> before I got stuck. <laughs> and they find all this afterwards, and they just come in, and they're like, hey, you want to know what happened? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Every time I told the story for months, people would say, well, what if this had happened? We'd, we'd think if here we go, yeah, I would have died. Yeah, I would have died. It was a whole series of things that just went absolutely right. And it's Honestly. just, yeah, and I mean, everything. You had to have the right partner. You had to be able to get to the, the ship. You had to, the shoot had to go that way. That, and just the idea that, that, that you know, when you're doing the porpoising, that's what broke it loose. Is that what they think? And that, that's what puts your head through the canopy? Yeah, so the, there's a small piece inside the ejection seat, um, and it, it's what really holds the ejection seat in in normal flight operations, and it broke, kind of setting the, the seat free. Um, and the scary part is they don't know why it broke. The engineers said, we don't understand how this could have gotten stressed enough to break. But the good news is, is now with that kind of seat, um, every time they inspect it, which is twice a year, they inspect that part. And in the two years after my accident, before I got out, they found 18 seats with cracks on that part. Wow. Wow. You did. Including some pilot seats. That saves some lives, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to that end, um, we had a friend from Sturgis, South Dakota, at the Full Throttle Saloon, who was a, a brilliant engineering guy. And uh, he'd always fly himself in and out. One year, we get the report that he he died in a, in a plane crash when he went to take off. And I'm sure you've heard this before. The pin sheared or wasn't set correctly. And when he pulled the throttle back, it the seat went all the way back, and he yanked full full yoke, I guess. And, and just stood it up and just fell out of the sky. I mean, it was just all happened in, in seconds. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's it's crazy that, that all the training, the engineering, the science that goes behind things like this, and then it comes down to one pin. That's right. That's right. Well, that's how they know what to – I mean, 
when they design the plane, they say inspect these things at a regular basis. And then after accidents, they go, oh, okay, that piece broke. Now we need to inspect that. So that's part of how they figure out what to inspect on in, in airplanes. Yeah. It's a, do you still fly? I don't. I was a bombardier, so I didn't actually have controls on my side. And so I never really, I never flew. Um, I just rode. Oh, wow. I, I, I guess I assumed that everybody in the plane had to be a pilot uh, at some level. No, no. I, I, I mean, I understand flying. Sure, I, sure. I've messed around in simulators and that kind of stuff, but I, no, I don't have any flight flight experience. Yeah, well, that and what makes it even more like insult to injury? We're like, I wasn't even supposed to really be here. Like, I wasn't even <laughs> flying the thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I uh, well, you'll love this. You should come up sometime. I'll see if I can't get it back. Is we built, and you'll know this is ridiculous. A, a powered parachute with a Rotax blue top, a two seater, like basically a flying go kart used to fly that thing. Uh, as I look at it now, I just think, what was I doing? Like, <laughs> like. I got away with it for about had it for about a year and a half, and I, I went three months without flying, and I went, you know, that's how you that's how you it goes bad for you just on normal days, and I got rid yeah. of it. But I've always loved flying. I mean, always loved it. Once it's in your blood, it's it's hard to get out. Yeah, and then Ryan, who's with us, is uh, here at the radio station. He uh, flies jets, uh, so smaller corporate jets. Awesome. Ryan, awesome. if you can say hello. Yeah, hi, Keith. How you doing? I'm great, <laughs> he's, Ryan. He's super, he's super enamored. I was like, you can say hello. I didn't want to be the voice out of nowhere. Sorry, I didn't want to scare you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so, but it's, it's, it is crazy how fast everything happens, isn't it, Keith? It's, if you're just doing a show, Lieutenant Keith Gallagher is now 57 in Atlanta. I'm glad you're 57, my friend. You, uh, uh, me too. I mean, 91, you just think just everything that went down. And I'm sure that you still, at, at times, run the scenario through your head. I, I do. Well, well. first of all, it happened on my 26th birthday. I, I, I always like to point that out. Wow. Uh, it was actually my birthday. But um, I, I actually tell the story pretty frequently or not infrequently um, because it's a good story with a happy ending. Right. You know, and every, everybody's fine. Um, but I, I'll tell you that image of sitting there and looking down and seeing my pilots, the top of his head, you know, that's an image that I see in my head all the time. Oh, and the photographs are astounding, and I'm glad they're there. But they've—they, I'm sure it took a long, long time for you to be at least somewhat comfortable viewing them because you are out of the cockpit. You can see the canopy is shattered and it's jagged. You can see your chute wrapped around the stabilizer. You can everything is there. The tethers, everything. Like it's and it's it's clear as day on that aircraft carrier. And this is uh, as you as you're landing, they've got they've got all of it because it's all the military ninety one was taping everything right. Right, right. And they knew there was something wrong, so they sent the photographers up as well. Now, with the pilot, was he, uh, I mean, he obviously knew he had done nothing wrong, but it's, it's, the Navy's real hard on these guys. Like, they, I'm sure they ran him through the ringer. Like, what happened here? Actually, no, he got an air medal out of it. Um, Eventually. Probably right? should, yeah, probably should have gotten something more than that. Sure. But the investigation was pretty clear that, Good. you know, we did nothing wrong and it was a, a mechanical failure. And then he did, he did a lot of really subtle flying skills, flying things. So for Ryan and for you, right, when the A6 comes into land on a normal A6 landing, we're our our proper landing speed is not that far away from the stall speed. I don't remember four or five knots, right? right? It's pretty close. Well, he's coming in and he realizes I'm disrupting the airflow over the plane, so I may 
I may have affected what the actual stall speed is. So he came in fast. So you're like an air brake. You know, mm-hmm. I could have been an air brake. Yeah, I could have, I could have just yeah. messed up the airflow enough that the stall speed dropped by five knots. Yeah. So, you know, instead of doing what he'd been, you know, instead of doing the procedure, he knew what he was supposed to do and why, and he adjusted it in order to, to be safer and come in and let. You are. I, there's, there's so much great in this story. Uh, and by the way, there's a photograph. I'm sure you've seen the Navy's photograph when you're not on the aircraft carrier yet, and the the jet is cockeyed. So it's it's you know it's it's left wing is 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 is, is down further than the right, and you mm-hmm. can just see the 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 uh, wake coming out behind you from the aircraft carrier, and you're just out and you're unconscious, and your arms because you're unconscious they're folding back, and it's just it's a crazy photograph. When they were when they were working on me in the in the hospital afterwards downstairs, our corpsman from our squadron, he was standing over me, and all he could say was, "Sir, you look like Jesus on an A 6 You know, I'm... <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to make one of those little gifts that just says, "Wee." <laughs> <"Yee!" Yeah. laughs> oh, like, what a story! And actually, when I landed, because my shoulders were held back, my arms and and head flopped forward. And the next day, one of the kids from the flight deck stopped one of our pilots, asked how I was, and then said, sir, why was he cheering as he came aboard? Because my arms were, <laughs> were flailing, you know, like I was, you know, like go team kind of flailing. So <laughs> You were arm pumping. Oh, it's fantastic. That's right. You know, you, that's, the pilot should have said, it's just the kind of guy he is. That's how he <laughs> rolls. <laughs> that's right. Well, man, I, I got to tell you, thank you so much for, for, for coming by the show today and die. Uh, oh, it's my pleasure. It's, it's such a great story, man. It really isn't. Man, I hope you never have to buy a beer for the rest of your life. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care, man. Hold on. Stay right there. I'm going to put you on with Jake. Hold on. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.